Welcome to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. My name's Tara Gleason, and I'm the producer. This week's podcast has been made possible thanks to Hickam Officer Spouses Club. On this week's episode, Susan talks with the founder of the Braylon Aubrey Foundation, Don Culp, who opens up about the struggles of being a parent of a child with special needs. Today joining me, I have Don Culp, founder of the Braylon Aubrey Foundation. Don, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Well, it is our pleasure. I would like to start off by having you share with our listeners, what is the mission of your foundation? The mission of our foundation, in a nutshell, is to essentially advocate for children with disabilities and special needs. We look to recruit sponsors to help us in furthering our research as it relates to the specific chromosomal deletion that my daughter had, uh, which impaired her ability for independence. So that's one of the things that we try to focus on with other children with impairing conditions. We want to advocate for any programs, any sort of additional resources or improved standards that would actually improve these children's quality of life. And not only on a local scale, we want to be, we want to be an impact both well, through local, statewide, and national areas. And, you know, overall, just to provide assistance to uh, families that may need additional assistance because of caps that their insurance provides. As you shared, Don, this foundation has a very personal connection for you. In fact, the organization is named after your daughter, Braylon. Would you be willing to share her story? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Braylon was born January 16th, 2009, and ultimately um, she passed October 2nd of 2012. She lived a very short life, but during her short time, um, she encountered a lot, she did a lot, and she left a very lasting memories and, of course, a strong feeling of a, a void in not just my life, but my, my family's life. And um, so with this foundation, we created it and named it obviously for her. So it's the Braylon Aubrey Foundation. And, you know, uh, Braylon touched a lot of people with her fighting spirit and her uh, always smiling and caring, more or less affectionate nature. And um, we just try to do what we can to honor her as best as we can through the foundation itself. So. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of with with her life. She 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 made quite the impact in just such a short period of time. I I have to say, as a as a fellow military connected parent, and you guys are also military connected as well. Uh, being such a mobile family, you know that process of navigating care, you know that can really be overwhelming. And I remember when our daughter required open heart surgery just at eight months old. We were living in Kansas, but we wanted to do the surgery in Georgia, and we really we knew that. But other than that, we we really didn't know where to start. And you know we were torn between trying to care for her and still making sure the services she required were provided, you know, that she got what she needed. What was your experience like seeking treatment for Braylon? Well, so Braylon, as I mentioned previously, Braylon was born January 16th. Um, I had to leave for Warren Officer Candidate School um, 
five days after she was born, I had to report to uh, First Walk down at Fort Rucker, Alabama. Uh, so I, I had initially started my my training. I didn't see my wife for the first, you know, four or five weeks being down at Fort Rucker. Um, or my daughter, you know, after, once I left, they came down, you know, right when I was finishing up uh, Warrant Officer Candidate School. And then I would transition to the other phases of my training that I was trying to complete um, while at Fort Rucker. And it wasn't until she was actually six months old, I was already, I had begun my flight training um, around this time. And there was a day where I was coming home from the flight line and I had gotten a call from my wife about my daughter being on the floor, very lethargic and white. And of course, my wife didn't know what was happening and neither did I. I just tried to rush home. My daughter wound up being taken by an ambulance to the small hospital there in Enterprise. And Enterprise, I'm not sure if you've ever been there, but it's a very small town and the hospital there is very small and they weren't equipped to deal with such a young child. Um, at first, they thought it might have been meningitis and everything. And they actually tried to do a spinal tap on my daughter there at the emergency room. Um, and they stuck her multiple, multiple times and she was dehydrated. And again, they just weren't equipped to deal with her and what was happening. So she had to be life flighted from Enterprise to Sacred Hearts Children's Hospital down in Pensacola, Florida, where they were able to do the necessary things to get her back to her normal self. Now, it wouldn't be until months later when things would start to reveal themselves. But, you know, initially it was fairly crazy when we were down at Fort Rucker dealing with this stuff, dealing with this stuff because we had no idea what all we were going to be encountering. And I say that to say that the frequency in which she would have her seizures, she was life-flighted ultimately twice while we were at Fort Rucker. And, um, through these experiences, we started finding out about different things that were available to us, programs that were afforded to military personnel for, you know, special needs family members and what have you. And one of those programs happened to be the exceptional uh, family member program. And then, of course, you know, having TRICARE and those things, those those really helped. And we started finding out about additional resources. And um, EF, EFMP in particular, um, they made it, we were living off post at the time. We were living off post when Brayland's issues first started. And when we first went to Lister Army Health Clinic, um, we had actually met with an EFMP coordinator and she actually started telling us about different services that Brayland could get if we happened to live on base. So we were living just a few miles away from Fort Rucker and uh, we wound up the house that we were, we were renting, we spoke to our landlord, who was also military himself, about, you know, allowing us to break our lease so that we could move on post to live in uh, base housing for the purposes of getting our daughter the additional care that she needed. And he, he happily obliged, and we moved on base. And one of the things that we started to be able to do with um, EFMP uh, was to start taking advantage of uh, in home therapy they they started to uh, have a therapist come out to our house and actually work with our daughter and she um, she was getting uh, reinforcement with her motor skills cognitive development and things of that nature and she started um, really started to hit her milestones and then they provided us care with outside therapy um, outside of Ozark there's a place called Sumar Therapy where she was able to do some additional 
therapy there. And then they provided us with doctors that were not necessarily local to the area, but in Pensacola, she saw a neurologist, uh, Dr. Ben Renfro at Gulf Breeze uh, Neurology, if I recall correctly. And so these were some of the things as her situation kind of continued to develop, some things that we were able to start taking advantage of as the circumstances played out. For us, one of the biggest assets we discovered was having a case manager um, for our particular situation. Not only did this case manager help manage services, you know, such as the ones that you mentioned, but she also assisted in advocating for specific care that we wanted our daughter to have. What were some of, of the other best supports that your family uh, was provided during this experience? Some of the things, you know, the benefits of having a case manager, that was definitely important for us because not only did the case manager make us aware of certain things that Braylon would need, uh, there was also coordination uh, that took place as far as different benefits. So. Uh, with 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 Braylon, again, they weren't equipped really to do much at the Enterprise Hospital, so we had to start seeing resources there in Pensacola, such as the neurologist and things of that nature. But um, and then Sumlar Therapy out in Ozark, they were magnificent with Braylon. They did several several things um, for her. Tri between Tricare and EFMP alone, um, you know, most insurances. Uh, with with everything that Braylon went through in that short two years time frame, um, I, I'm confident that most insurances would have put a cap at some point on on the level of care, or the out of pocket costs associated with that would have been astronomical. The the life flights, I you know quite honestly I was I was focused on my daughter's overall well being and everything else. But it wasn't until later, until things started to subside, as far as I wondered, you know, how much things were going to cost. And I started thinking about those things, and not once did we ever see a bill. TRICARE covered everything, um, and, it, and, and it, it was resources like TRICARE, and it was resources like EFMP and the coordination of uh, all the benefits. Now, even when we moved from Fort Rucker back to South Carolina when uh, I was – finished at Fort Rucker, Braylon, she was out, anytime she was out of therapy for a while, she would start to regress, whether, you know, she was sick or something to that nature and she couldn't be seen by somebody as far as a therapist to come into the house and work with her, she would always regress. And it got to the point where Braylon, when she started to see these people quite regularly, I mean, she was developing and hitting her milestones and you, you could just see the benefits of the program. But when we moved from Fort Rucker to South Carolina, EFMP actually coordinated with the program coordinator out at uh, Fort Jackson here in uh, Columbia. And um, they got everything set up for Braylon as well through the early intervention program. They got her set up with in-home in therapy. They got her set up with the Bright Start program at a local elementary school that worked with her while I was away on my deployment, which I'll elaborate more in just a little bit. Um, and these resources were just put in play, and it took the stress off of my wife from having to deal with this because Braylon, Braylon wasn't our only child. We have a family about the size of the Brady Bunch, and uh, the age range for our children is pretty significant. And my wife had her hands full when I was in flight school. When I was home, I was always focused on 
what what I needed to do the next day and ensuring that I was had everything ready. Or I was gone the majority of the day, and that was kind of like a precursor to my deployment that immediately followed flight school because I wasn't home. So having these programs set up, these resources in advance, and having these 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 this therapy available to my daughter was really, really, really significant. My wife's mental health and my daughter's uh, health as well. It, it was truly you can't put a price on uh, or a value on it's invaluable as far as the resources and everything and the coordination that they provided. Well, I have to say, it's really nice to hear positive comments about TRICARE and EFMP, you know, like any organization and any structure, you know, there's areas of improvement. And oftentimes we um, find that information out there is focusing on the negative. So it's really nice to hear um, how they provided that continuity that is so important, particularly for our children that are in EFMP programs. Um, you know, that consistent care is not only helpful uh, for the caregivers, such as your wife, but it's also, as you said, it's so vital for our children, particularly with special needs, to continue to make progress or even just to, to stay on stay on track and, and not regress. I, I know a lot of families that may be starting this experience, you know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, it certainly can be overwhelming. Uh, your story sounds like a lot, you know, going from Fort Rucker to having to receive care outside the uh, immediate area where you were stationed and you're just trying to focus on making sure your child is taken care of, that a lot of times you you feel like you're alone in the process when in fact, Around 9% of the entire military population actually has a family member registered with EFMP. And you and I had kind of talked about that offline. Is that part of the reason you wanted to share your story today with other families so that they understood what was out there? That is a big part of the reason why I, I, I want to share the story because it can really, really be overwhelming for military families that are just now getting into the process as, as far as adjusting to military life or a family that ha has a child before their service member is supposed to go off and do training and uh, they're away. And then months after that child is born, their issues start to arise or surface. And it can be really, really, really overwhelming. And for us, it was. And you know, the, the benefits of these programs, uh, every, just the peace of mind that they provide in the midst of a storm is, again, you can't give it enough justice, especially for what it did with us. I mean, Braylon, within Braylon's short life, uh, again, you know, in flight school, she was, she was life flighted twice um, because of having seizures. She was in the hospital for a significant amount of time. And then... During the course of during the course of my deployment, she I had to come home twice, and she was she had seizures. Um, in addition to um, being developmentally delayed, she had seizures so frequently that it was it was keeping her from being able to develop. And the the situation with Braylon, even with this therapy, took a significant turn. It took a significant turn because she was actually, um, during the deployment, when I first left, she had a seizure and was hospitalized for a few days. And then 
she got discharged from the children's hospital, and then I wound up leaving and going back. And then I wound up coming home again, and she was home for nine days. At the age of two, she had three – well, she had a, a few seizures, and she had a stroke in one week, and it left her brain actually damaged. Um, and it, it got so bad that they actually told um, – they told me not to go back. They said the condition could be fatal. Uh, her condition could be fatal. And that was a hard decision to make as to whether or not – I should go back or stay with her, but I ultimately made the decision to go back on the deployment after speaking with my leadership. I actually put my leadership on the phone with the doctor so that the doctor could relay everything to my commander. Um, and in the midst of this, trying to decide, the service member or myself, trying to decide whether or not I should go back or stay, uh, that was a hard decision because obviously I wanted to be home with my wife and kids, but I, there were other people that were overseas as well. and. Um, it was just – I was really torn. For my wife, um, she had the resources in play um, that she needed to get my daughter the, the, the care and everything that she needed. So for anybody that's caught in the middle of a storm um, that may or may not be listening to this right now, that may listen to it later, that is very much one of the reasons why I want to tell Braylon's story because there are resources out there that people don't know about that they should take advantage of. Uh, again, I'm a big, big believer in the uh, supporter of the EFMP program. I've recently been told that their budget uh, – I've spoken with the Fort Jackson program coordinator and uh, also the Fort Rucker uh, program coordinator. And, and I don't know if it was across the board or at specific locations, but um, I know at Fort Jackson that, that there was money taken away from the program itself, and one of the things – through the foundation, again, as I stated, as, par as part of our mission, we want to advocate for programs such as this because we believe in it. We've seen the effects of it and how beneficial it is to families like ours. So for families that are just starting this journey um, with their children, what advice would you, what advice would you want to give or, or share with them? Um, Time. Time is very important. Time is something that you can never get back. Um, and it's very, very, very important to make the most of it. When I was, when I was in training, um, the, the only thing that I ever wanted to do was fly. That, that's all I've ever wanted to do in my life was be a pilot. And I finally got the opportunity. So when we were at Fort Rucker, I was so focused on the process of trying to get through flight school and do what I needed to do to pass, that on the day of my daughter's second birthday, I literally walked in the door after coming home from flight line. I walked in the door, set my stuff down as I normally do, and, um, you know, my wife looked at me, and um, I'll never forget it. She goes, you don't even know what day it is, do you? And I just stared at her, and then it dawned on me that it was my daughter's second birthday. Well, I graduated from flight school. Three weeks after I graduated, we began our mobilization for the deployment, and we were gone. And so during that third, during that third birthday, I missed that because I was overseas. came home in May of 2012. Everything went fine. 
the evening of October 1st, when I came home from work, my daughter had a very bad stomach bug. She had been throwing up, and she had unfortunately had vomited after eating dinner, and I had cleaned her up. I took her in the bath. I had She had a ponytail uh, up. I took the ponytail holder out, and I got her cleaned up, gave her a bath, and, you know, um, just – we we got her in some clean clothes and we tried to in, we ensured that she was okay and uh everything else her bedtime approached i had given i had given her a hug and a kiss and she patted me on my back and uh, i told her good night told her i loved her my wife took her upstairs and um put her in put her in the crib and in her crib upstairs and the next morning i got up and went to work just like i normally do I was at work maybe I think 30 40 minutes and all of a sudden my phone started ringing off the hook and uh it was my neighbor she told me to come she told me that I needed to come home that Braylon was sick and I thought you know Braylon was having another seizure and I was it, it's not that it wasn't a big deal to me it was like I, we've been through this before been down this road the only thing that didn't dawn on me was the fact that my neighbor was calling me instead of my wife when she lived across the street, I don't, I don't, I didn't, it just didn't dawn on me that she was calling me from my wife's phone, cell phone. So anyway, I, I drive home, didn't have the radio on the whole way to my house, and I pull up, and as I pull up, I lived in a cul-de-sac. The entire cul-de-sac was filled up with emergency vehicles. I see my wife laying on face down on the front porch, and I see police officers. Um, by my front door, I pull up, get out of my car, and I go to walk up um, to get to find out what's going on. Me and the officer talked for just a few seconds, and uh, we talked about the ambulance, and I thought my daughter was in the ambulance. He goes, no, she's not in there. I said, where is she? Where is she? And he goes, she's inside. And I said, oh, so she's okay. And it was at this point where he he didn't say anything he was trying to find the words to tell me and I just I just came right out of nowhere and I asked him I said are you trying to tell me my daughter's dead um, and he said yes sir I'm afraid she didn't make it so um, there there's more to it uh, as far as everything that went on that day everything that you know that happened after but this was October 2nd, her birthday was January 16th. So I was so focused on the process. I was so motivated to get through flight school, and we had to because we put all of our eggs in one basket, that we had no other options. We had to get through it despite anything that was thrown at us. And I walked in the door on her second birthday, didn't know what day it was. I was deployed for her third birthday. Her fourth birthday, which I would have been home for, unfortunately, she she died three months before I would have gotten to spend that fourth birthday with her. So time, time, and prioritizing things. My family should have always my, my family should have always been number number one to me, um, and I put I put things over them, and I should have never done that. So people that are new to the process, people that are just now going through this. 
they should make the most of their time. They should prioritize things, and they should never forget that family should be the most important thing. And with the military, it demands a lot of you. Um, I was very fortunate to have good leadership. They put a strong emphasis on family and being there. And they put a strong emphasis on being there for your family and everything. And they gave me the time I needed to do what I needed to do with my family. It was my fault that I didn't do what I was supposed to do to a sense. And so those are the lessons that I've, I've learned. And that's what I would encourage other people to take advantage of and do. John, I have to say that is um, a really powerful story. And I think you touched on so often something that we're all guilty of, which is to focus on the process uh, to, to get caught up in the day to days and not prioritize the right thing. That's the most valuable resource, which is time. So, um, thank you for your willingness to share this story. Um, I see that Braylon will continue to have an effect on families and anyone that listens to this podcast forward. So I just want to say thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Well, I appreciate you having me and I appreciate. Um, being able to utilize this time to talk about Braylon and her story. I actually, outside of the foundation, that ponytail holder, I still actually have. I have it on a necklace wrapped around a cross that I wear just to remind me every day of, you know, of her and the goals that I've set out to continue to honor her and everything else. And that's really what it's about is to, Again, advocate for these programs, share her story, and just let families know, hey, there's resources out there for them if they need it. Absolutely. And for our listeners, we will include uh, the Braylon Aubrey Foundation's website information in our show's notes. And certainly, I encourage you to go and take a look at the website and learn even more about Braylon Aubrey and the great work that Don and his family are doing in her name. You've been listening to the MSEC podcast. This podcast has been brought to you thanks to the Hickam Officer Spouses Club. You can listen to this podcast and those archived by topic when you subscribe and download at Podbean, iTunes, MSEC's support military connected children by educating, advocating, and collaborating to resolve education challenges associated with the military lifestyle. Learn more about our partnerships, programs, and initiatives at militarychild.org. Follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram for the latest on our enduring mission to serve the children of those who serve us all. Be sure to join us again next week. Thanks for listening.